I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Stance Pants Radio. Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. This is the show we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show, I have radio host, voiceover artist and whatever, Ben Wosley. <laughs> How you doing, Ben? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, George? I'm good. Like uh, we were just discussing, I'm in a bathrobe, freshly showered, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty crisp, to be honest. I've got yesterday's clothes on, but I have had a shower. Ah, who is not wearing the same clothes 50 times during quarantine? Exactly. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> I've given up ironing. You iron? See, I don't even iron. That's one of the things I actually only realized really late in life. My friend is like, man, you should probably start ironing. I'm like, why? Is that because you're going out in clothes that are just so creased? I'm like, people notice? I have an issue with shirt. Like this one is driving me mad simply, and you can't see this because it's a podcast, but the hem or like the edge where all the buttons are, it's sort of like folded and it drives me insane. I'm like constantly through the day trying to straighten it, but I won't pull the iron out because society has collapsed and fuck ironing. <laughs> so she's going to fiddle with it all day. Yes. <laughs> I'm a fiddler. That gives you, gives you something to do. <laughs> I've now got the pull-out quote for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm a fiddler. <laughs> uh, so I guess to give a bit of background on you, you've been in the game for a long time, in the radio game and sort of voiceover and all that. It's Yeah, since 1989. That's when you started. 30 plus years, yeah. Fucking hell. 30 plus years. That is wild. And it's radio mostly? Yeah, entirely. When I got made redundant in 2001, I did three months of phone research. (laughs) (laughs) Right, just to really experience what life is like. Someone's like, I've seen the rest of the world, guys. It's no good. Yeah. (laughs) Let me back. I want to talk about my day to people. (laughs) Yeah. At least in radio, you have no idea who your audience is. But with phone research, you know who your audience is and they tell you to fuck off as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Exactly. At least the people, uh, you can't hear the people saying it on the radio. No, no. That's, uh, that's cool. And, and, and uh, I was look, did a little bit of research. You uh, worked with Hamish and Andy for a while as well? I sure did. As Giggling Ben. Giggling Ben. Yeah, well, <laughs> I find it easy to laugh. <laughs> you're, the, you're the comedian's dream. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> See, and the worst thing about being someone that giggles in a studio is you've got a visual aspect as well. So you see their faces. So if someone pulls a funny face, I will laugh at it, but no one's seen that on radio. So constantly people will be like, you're just faking that laugh. I'm like, no, I'm really actually laughing. (laughs) How long were you working there with them for? Well, I started with them. When I first worked at Fox, Hamish was hired to write 
gossip segments and do street stuff for Tracy Bartram. And then he said, I'm going to do a stand-up show with my mate Andy. And I went along and watched that and was like, oh, they're actually really funny. And then soon after that, they got given a shift called the Almost Tuesday Show, which was 10.30 till midnight on a Monday night. And I used to have to do 10 till 1am. And so I had to panel it. So I was the first person they worked with in that regard, which would have been early 2000s. I can't remember the exact year. I'm fucked with years. And then in about 2007, I came back from Brisbane. I did a year in Brisbane on a breakfast show there in 2006. And then I came back and then started working with them on their drive show because they started their drive show in 2006. So yeah, and then um, I trained Cackling Jack because they needed someone to replace me in case I was sick or on holidays. And he was just like a guy that was, what's he doing? I think he was carting stuff into the system or something. And he was a huge fan, which I had no idea about. And I just went up to him and said, dude, would you like to learn how to be a panel op and work with Hamish Nandy? And he was like, (gasps) and of course the problem... (laughs) That was perfect with Jack is that he gets so wrapped up in it that he'd forget that his job is to push the buttons and do things. And that was a perfect thing for them to take the piss out of. And he has gone from strength to strength, a little legend. I love Jack. (laughs) All right, so I started giving Ben (laughs) to cackling Jack. Yeah. And the only fuck up I ever did was the, uh, the famous time when they wanted someone, I think they wanted to announce something and they wanted crowd cheers and I picked the wrong cheers I picked the theme to the Cheers TV show so that when they went for applause, the start of the Cheers theme played and they both fucking lost it. It's like on YouTube still. It's bizarre. I use it in the opener of my um, podcast. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's amazing now, like, because they were an absolute phenomenon back in the day. Like, they exploded. They still are. Yeah, and now it's more like the old guard, sort of, like, as in the, just in terms of just because they've got their own lives and they, <laughs> frankly, don't need to work as hard anymore. Now they're they're very, just the established figures. So it's weird. Like, I remember back in the day, like, being like, oh, these are the only people that if you're driving, you genuinely will stop and wait just to listen to them chat because it was so much fun. Yeah. And their podcast gets millions of downloads. They're still popular in that sense. But yeah, the greatest thing about them is they haven't changed from who they were when I first met them in the early noughties. That's such a weird word. They're still lovely, down-to-earth, wonderful people, which lots of people in the media turn into absolute fucking assholes. So um, it's nice to know that everything they've got, they worked really fucking hard for and they deserve every bit of it. Yeah, that's always nice when people don't get sucked in. I think it helps when you've got like a buddy possibly as part of it as well. Yeah. I don't know what their wives and girlfriends... (laughs) I feel sorry for Zoe. I think she married Hamish and Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a... I feel like that's a relatable thing to a lot of people on the planet. The old best bud sort of duo thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's coming great. (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll nurse him through this next one as well. Okay, this next relationship. (laughs) Oh, wait, so what? Have you got any goss on who's turned into a monster after getting famous? Go on, Ben. Oh. (laughs) Spread. Well... (laughs) Share the news. It's just me and you. (laughs) No, lots of people are actually really good, but there are, I mean, you know that Kyle's an asshole, don't you? (laughs) It's a bit obvious. They make it really obvious, I reckon. Yeah, they're not really subtle about that one. It's kind of his thing. Yeah, completely. And that's all I'll say on that. (laughs) Yeah, I know, exactly. I I felt the gap there. (laughs) And I'm going to, even that I'm slightly nervous about, so I'm going to stop there. (laughs) I have no job. They've got lots of money. Let's move on. I guess what's interesting is, uh, yeah, you've seen the changes happen in media. Like you've had a kind of front row seat to that over the last 30 years. Oh my God, yeah. Even technology wise. When I first started, we used to play records for Christ's sake. Now it's all on a computer screen. (laughs) 
What? Records. Records. Every song was a single on a vinyl record <laughs> in 89. In 89? In 89, yeah. Didn't they have CDs then? Yeah, but no one had real faith in CDs because they could skip. And even though I distinctly remember in the 80s, they used to sell them like, oh, they're like Frisbees. You can do anything with them, which so wasn't the case. <laughs> and also record companies weren't giving out CDs. They'd still send you vinyl. So, and CDs were so expensive. So regional radio stations were like, we're sticking with records. How, in, like that, like just physically, that makes the job way more intense. Totally. These days. And also, I distinctly remember my first shift because with a record, what you have to do is start the record player and hold the record a quarter turn because if you don't hold the record and you just hit play, it'll go... Because it's got a... The belt's got to build up some um, momentum to make the record play. So yeah. you have to hold a record with your finger and as a 19-year-old who's nervous... <laughs> A, a stiff finger to hold a record is impossible. So I put my hand on a record and I was just like shaking and the needle just bounced across the record and scratched off and I'm going, okay, I fucked it already. <laughs> it's over, guys. I'm done. <laughs> it's the shortest-lived career in radio. Okay, I've got to get this handshake down. <laughs> it's It was a challenge. <laughs> wow, okay. That, that, that's already hilarious, the, the difference in that. And you, and you mentioned already the... Uh, this podcast, you've got 19 in 89? Yeah, inside the diary of a wannabe radio announcer. Which is basically just you looking at your diary from back in 89. Yeah, my godmother, when um, I got the job, figured I'd be very lonely because I was moving to Karatha in the northwest of WA and I was very lonely. So she thought, I'll give him a diary and he can fill it out every day and she encouraged me to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I'm not a diary kind of person. <laughs> but for some reason, I filled out every single page almost of this diary with the most inane, useless bullshit I've ever read in my life. But now looking back, is it nice or is it like literally just nothing? It's not even interesting. It's hilarious because one, you realise how arrogant and self-absorbed the teenage you is. And two, you just understand how little you know about the world. Like, I'm, for some reason, I'm obsessed with time calls and I'll write down, I had a shower, I got a phone call and I chatted to them, but I'll never tell you what I chatted about. It's just all like, someone said to me in an episode the other day, one of my old school friends, she said, it's like you're a, um, a policeman investigating a case. I'm like, oh yeah, it is too. <laughs> so yeah, there's no actual content except uh, the episode I did the other day, I had diarrhea and I went into so much detail. I'm like, for fuck's sake, why can't you have this detail about everything else? Why is it just your poos? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a 19-year-old boy. I mean, that's the main focus, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. I was wanking and shitting. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no wanking in it, thank Christ. <laughs> Surely maybe maybe it's hinted at. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went to bed and then I slept an hour later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of late nights. Spent extra long in the shower today. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. It's funny you saying that because actually I, I journal uh, pretty regularly. Yeah, right. Now, like as in I... I diaried when I was a bit younger and then I started going online. I just do it on like a document. And yep. just every, and for me, it's almost just a memory thing because my memory sucks. Oh. And But what I realized was looking, because I would actually look back at old entries from like a year before or two years before and I quickly discovered how useless it was because I was doing the exact same thing. I would have no <laughs> no heart. It, that's a good way to describe it. It was literally just a policeman following me around tracking my like movements. That's what it was. It was yeah. like woke up, went, had breakfast here, went and saw him. And it's... 
insane how much you forget as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it's, without that colour, it's just useless because like, it's just the record of your activities. It doesn't trigger any memories. There's bits in there where I said, ask me about this and I'll fill you in. I'm like, I don't fucking remember this at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you were talking to your future self. Yeah. <laughs> you got to love that as well. Who are you writing a diary for? That's always a funny part of it, like... Is it a judgmental old you? Well, I knew my godmother was probably going to read it. Oh, really? Yeah, well, she gave me the diary, so I figured she must be at some stage wanting to read it. That's not how diaries work. I know, but she's giving it to me as something to keep me distracted and happy, whereas I think I might have looked at it as like, oh, okay, I've got to keep a record and she's going to have a read of it someday. Like I actually wrote an, I typed up an introduction for it for people that are going to read it so that they understand what it is. It's me on paper and all this sort of bullshit. It's so embarrassing. That, that, that is the self-centred part of it. Right? <laughs> like, I better prepare people for the world yes. they're about to enter. When, they, when, when future scholars look back on this time, <laughs> they need to know that I was aware of my own legacy even back then yeah. and the importance I would have. <laughs> I knew this was going to lead to something. And now it's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's just bits to riff on. Yeah, exactly. Let's bag out this fucking loser. (laughs) He's not me. It's a young, it's a different person. It's not me. Yeah, I'm making fun of him. So clearly I'm past it. (laughs) I can spell. I don't do this, any of these things anymore. (laughs) I'm so not that anymore. It's like, yeah, we still are. (laughs) That's one thing I give my journal. I look at like three years before and then two years before. It's like, oh, I can't believe I said that last year. And then I look back a year later and I'm like, I'm still doing the same thing. this is all I'm going to be. <laughs> you really, you're journaling long enough and looking back on yourself, you just slowly just learn to accept. It's like, I ain't changing. Oh, dear. No, I have. I have. I went to therapy in the 90s, guys. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that, that, will, that does help. Did you stop going or you've been going ever since? No, no, no. I went, I think, for 18 months because work was paying for it. So, oh, they paid for a year and I did the other eight months or oh, six months. God, good at maths. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, yeah, that was... Uh, oh, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> that was a pretty easy one, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Generally, it always is. But yeah, I, then I got to the point where I didn't need it. I was basically there for anger management and a fear of being alone. And now I'm like, meh, I don't get angry and couldn't give a fuck if I was alone. <laughs> so it worked. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Where, where did you grow up? Do you, are you from Melbourne? Are you from somewhere else? I'm from Adelaide originally. The state of unnatural acts. Are you, are, you, are you referencing the serial killers or something else? Yes. Oh, so many things. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Have you done any research on Adelaide? It's got a twisted history. <laughs> it's an interesting place. I, gotta be honest, I go there for the Fringe Festival. It really is. People used to call it the, the city of churches or the town of churches. But a lot of them are empty and now discos and hair salons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, even like I was, like, when I was doing last year, I was doing a variation, a show based on this bookish kind of show. And I went around to bookstores to kind of like say hi and if they were interested. So so many religious bookstores still. Like, and there was more than one. Is what really? I mean by a lot. Yeah, there was like several different that kind is of bizarre. sects of bookstores that were major ones. Like, it, like you just Google it and you go there and you're like, oh wait, no, this is. I don't know if they're going to appreciate a lot of this bookish show. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the acts do talk about the Bible, so no, it is a weird. Like, I hated it growing up. I used to think it was the worst place on the planet. But I think that's part of being a kid. But now I go back. My parents live in the Adelaide Hills, so I'm not really in the city, and it's. Beautiful. I love it. Oh, it's so beautiful. And like there's no traffic and there's and the roads are so wide. Yeah. It's like Melbourne, but like even more orderly. Like that's the best part about it. It is so grid like. 
It just yeah. works. If you've got a brain like that, you, it's just beautiful. Like, and the streets are like named like Bay Street because it goes to the bay. It's very well structured as a, as a city. I love it. I always find it funny that people go, oh, and there's so many parklands. It's just so beautiful. And then you go, yeah, but they built those so they could attack the indigenous people and slaughter them before they got into the city. So they're nice parklands, but they're not really. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, it's a bleak part of Adelaide's history. It's a moat. It's like it's a killing field. A slaughter field for indigenous people, you assholes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I might have to learn a bit more about Adelaide. Yeah, because it's got that beautiful <laughs> thick park all the way around know, the CBD. Everyone around. loves it. Everyone's like, you walk into the city every time you're gonna walk through some nice parkland to get there. It's so cool. And now it turns out it's a killing field. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's so bleak. They don't put that in the tourism brochures. <laughs> I can't imagine they would. They would appeal to a certain subset and that's about it, I think. That's... Well, they should. I mean, it's like in Perth, Rottnest Island is where they used to imprison and kill so many Aboriginal people and now it's a holiday zone. <laughs> it's like, mm, yeah. is it? <laughs> should we really be drinking and partying on this island? Yeah, it's like, look at all the cute quackers. <laughs> yeah, what have they witnessed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's trauma in their eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're smiling through, wow. Well, you've just successfully destroyed two very beautiful places in Australia <laughs> for me. Let's, I look forward to finding... And brought a- your podcast down. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is it though? <laughs> oh, it, it's pretty funny. I, I always thought yeah. the serial killers were the deadliest part of uh, Adelaide, no. but that's what they wanted me to think. Yeah. They wanted me to think it was just some outlier. No, yeah. They're ignoring the systemic slaughter that's been going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be allowed back into Adelaide again. <laughs> well, it's, uh, if they want to say anything, they, they'll find you. They'll let you know. Yeah, you'll go back there, yeah, Adelaide good. Hills. No, because it is, it is a beautiful place and like... Yeah, it's very different. It does feel different. It feels actually very different even compared to... Obviously, it's got more of a Perth and Adelaide. I kind of put them... They're just a bit more yeah, yeah, chilled and quiet, laid-back thing. And I haven't been up to Brisbane, but I think even Brisbane would be a bit more intense than... Yeah. Yeah, and Adelaide's very... Yeah, it's like Melbourne and Sydney are fighting between each other to, for who's the coolest and the other states are just like... Who cares? Yeah. We don't need shops open on a Sunday. Yeah. Oh, oh my I'm God. I'm sleeping in anyway. You actually do. I don't mind. No, I'm, I, I'm defending it. I reckon it's great. It's. Oh, it used to drive me mad when I lived in Perth. Yeah. Why are you in a rush? Relax. Relax. That's this pandemic. We're in it right now. Look, I'm a fan of uh, when you when I go traveling overseas, there's countries you go to where it's like there's siestas still and they shut down for like a few hours oh, in the afternoon. That is such a good idea. So Why good. is not no one adopted that? People are like, oh, I want to go get something. It's like you can wait a few hours. Go have a nap. Relax. Yeah. It'll be open later. Yeah, they all go home and have a sleep and then they go to dinner really late at night and stay up really late, late into the evening and only have one or two drinks. I think that's such a fucking great way to live. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Responsible drinking yeah. as well. That's like wild. That's, that's continental Europe all over. I'll have like three drinks and they're like, yeah, I'm having fun time. <laughs> yeah. And then all the Aussies and the English are like, nah, we're so cool. And they're just like, why are you, mm. why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. It says so much. It really does. It's like, ah, you're not going to have a shot, you pussy? They're like... But we'll take all your money, you idiot. <laughs> but, okay, anyway, we've, we've gone all right. Let's, let's talk about the book and we'll tie in other things if we need to. So... Oh, we're talking about books? <laughs> Dean Koontz watches. Yes, I uh, did some quick reading on this. It, sa- it sounds like a very fun time. Yeah. <laughs> it's got violence and murder in it, but it also has a lovely, intelligent dog that I'm totally in love with. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I mean, to give uh, to give a quick summary of the book, I guess it's a it's it is very much just your classic thriller action sort of read. Basically, a a guy in his mid thirties stumbles across a genetically advanced dog who he takes home. Golden Retriever. A Golden Retriever. So I, I had to clarify that, <laughs> yeah. And then there's some other being involved and uh, basically there's the scientists and they're after the dog and they're after this other outsider thing and there's so the Soviets are involved and he's ends up meeting a girl as well and then him and her form a team with the dog, it seems like, and they're all... With the dog. That can talk. Oh, it can talk. <laughs> yeah, it can use, from memory, it can use basic things to uh, explain itself or put points across. It's very intelligent. I was like, I want this dog. It's so beautiful. <laughs> well, and then, and then, yeah, and then there's misadventures as they, the governments try to track them down and they try to save the world or something from this other being. Yeah, it's edge of your seat stuff. And the other being is like a hybrid that's got baboon in it and all sorts of terrifying stuff and just tears people apart so yeah yeah so this is because sometimes people come on with like a book choice which has got like deep philosophical implications and things like that but i love when someone comes up with slaughterhouse yeah edge of your seat thriller (laughs) it's got murder and happy puppies (laughs) and now that i think about it relating it back to adelaide i grew up with a golden retriever that i loved desperately (laughs) and i'm surrounded by murder and uh, death. <laughs> so it kind of works. You're really painting Adelaide as this dystopian <laughs> nightmare place, which no one has ever thought going to Adelaide. <laughs> no. When I, like, when I was a teenager was the period of the family where they were kidnapping teenage boys and raping them and murdering them. So my whole teenage life was like, don't go out. You shouldn't go anywhere. And then we also had the AIDS crisis as well. So that was horrifying too. <laughs> Everything was horrifying in the 80s in Adelaide. That is so interesting because, like, I mean, I, I, I actually didn't think there would be this level of connection with the book. Neither did I until we started talking about it. And now I'm going, what the fuck? <laughs> Just golden retrievers and conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I connected with it so much. <laughs> how, how old were you when you, when did, do you remember when you first read it? Yeah, because it's actually in the diary. The, there's a mention where I was up at 3.48 a.m. because I was reading this great book called Watchers. And yeah, so it was definitely when I was 19. So it must have really connected with me on that level. I mean, I always grew up on horror novels. I used to read Stephen King and Dean Koontz and then there's a whole heap of other. If I had a creepy cover and something horrific written on the back, I was like, I'm going to read this one. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I just always loved horror movies, I think. Okay, so you've read a whole bunch of this kind of genre and so th- yeah. this one sprung out at you as the one that stood out. So that, that, does, yeah. that does add some like credence to the idea that maybe, yeah, there were these connection points in there. Do you know why you like enjoyed horror? Was there any specific reason? I don't know. I feel like maybe it's to do with, because I worked in a video store, there was so many horror movies available in the 80s and we would get preview copies and I would just watch whatever the classics were. I just enjoyed them more than dramas or comedies or I actually traumatized my little brother. He's now in his 40s and still talks about how he will always check his cupboard before he goes to bed because we made him watch so many horrifying films when he was a little kid. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the definition of traumatizing someone. Surely is. <laughs> They're in their 40s and still doing it. I know. I find it hilarious, but he doesn't. <laughs> so, well, I, get, I had a guest on previously who really loved, she, yeah, she liked the elements of like the genre freedom of it. So sometimes it would actually be more ex, uh, inclusive of different voices and uh, viewpoints and things like that. And that's kind of why... Uh, it appealed to her. I remember reading things like It and Thinner and when I read Misery, that scene, if you've seen the movie Misery, there's that scene where she just shatters his ankles to stop him from running. That section of the book when I read that was the most shocking thing I've ever read. The movie does no justice to it whatsoever. I remember just being <laughs> like shaking in my bed as I'm reading that passage in his book. So, yeah, there's something about the way it, grabs you and draws you in and you I mean you've got to use your own imagination and it's a horrifying imagination you've got to create so maybe that's what I find appealing related to that would be it kind of draws you out of the world as well like it sucks you into another place almost like as in a so like the idea of escapist like I've always found that with I love fantasy for the same reason and I don't know what it says about me trying to escape reality (laughs) oh we all want to So maybe, I don't know, do you reckon that maybe that appealed into it in some way? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, because I also love sci-fi, as far as movies are concerned, sci-fi is my go-to. I even have, like, the coffee table books of the makings of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, because I love reading about all the challenges they faced and what they wanted to do and what they couldn't because of technology. So, yeah, but I've never really gotten into reading sci-fi books, aside from Matthew Riley, who's a bit like, Indiana Jonesy, and some of it's a little bit supernaturally. Yeah, I mean, he did have the one, the racing one, if you read that one. Yeah. Which was, uh, I really like that. I've never seen Stephen Bradbury mentioned so many times. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's it's the best. I love that that's a, nothing could be more Aussie than. I know. I love that. <laughs> the story of Stephen Bradbury being a key driving point for characters. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. It's so good. Yeah, it's an iconic Australian story, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Just. Keep cruising. But I've never bothered with any other sci-fi. Like, I've never read any of the Star Wars because there's so many novels for Star Wars and I live and breathe. If there's something Star Wars on TV, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to watch it now. It's something I've actually gotten into, but it's on my list of things to read because the expanded universe is huge. Yeah. But I've always wanted to start on, like, the more iconic, well-regarded ones because yeah, I'm not interested in reading all of it, but I thought maybe a few of them would be a good read. They'll they'll definitely be better than bloody the new trilogy, am I right? (laughs) Yeah. I hated all of them. Nah, the second one's right. Let's get sucked into that again. I've done that in this previous episode. (laughs) Hey, it's allowed, all right? We like Star Wars. Get over it. There's books in it. No, so I guess to go back to that thing, though, because it is interesting. I actually hadn't thought of it until you said it then about the idea of horror. It sucks you in. It's a page turner, but also takes you out of maybe where you are now. So, like, did you ever have that feeling when you were younger, maybe? You were like, oh, I want to kind of get some escapist elements from that growing up? Yeah. Because I I distinctly remember as a kid thinking Adelaide was so boring 
and there was nothing to do, nothing happened. I remember going on holidays in maybe 86 or 87 to Sydney. And also, I should add that as a teenager, I was bullied at school because I was perceived as the gay guy. And that really affected me a lot. So going to Sydney was like, oh my God, I can do whatever I want and no one cares. And Adelaide was sort of like, oh, you're wearing a purple shirt. You must be gay. That sort of thing. And so I feel like maybe there's some of that coming into it as well. It's like the escapism of you can do whatever you want, be whoever you want. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's interesting. Having real moments here. Thank you, Bookish. <laughs> I charge by the hour, by the way. Uh, oh, shit. Because <laughs> no, even like, that's funny you saying that about Adelaide because obviously Adelaide, I mean, even now there's probably elements of Adelaide that have certain backwards attitudes. Yeah. So Sydney would have been eye-opening, I guess. But even Sydney compared to Sydney today... Would, would have been so backwards back then. So that's crazy to think about. Like, Yeah, but I just remember being two weeks in Sydney and thinking that I was so free and I could do whatever I wanted to and it was so different. And yeah, Adelaide just wasn't like that at all. <laughs> so that was just like, was that like a holiday with parents or something? No, it was a holiday with like a not actual girlfriend, but like a friend that was a girl. Um, and I think her parents took her over there and we got to stay at some swanky hotel in Sydney which we thought was amazing because it had, um, I think it was called The Regent in the Rocks and it had um, bathrobes with R's on it and the toilet had a phone next to it and we just thought, oh my God, we are living! <laughs> in the mid-80s, that was amazing. <laughs> I can talk call people and have a shit. We did it, guys. <laughs> they'll, they'll never get more advanced than this. Yeah, this is peak society, everyone. <laughs> oh, we've really gone, we've circled around the, uh, <laughs> the toilet a few times now. Love it. <laughs> Uh, it's a real defining area of your interest. I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, well, fine. I'm glad we've managed to find some connections already with that. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, the It was funny when you mentioned it because we discussed on email before uh, this podcast, you sent me a thing about, I was very confused because I didn't know the story of the book at all. And you were like, yeah, and it's like a golden retriever like me. And I'm like, what? Is this his, is this his framework for talking about personality types? I was so confused. Oh, right. <clears throat> No, I've always said to people as a joke, I'm a human golden retriever because I'm here for pats and I'll eat whatever you put in front of me. <laughs> and I actually, I raised it with my mother the other day and she said, yeah, and you like to sleep all the time. And I'm like, okay, settle down. <laughs> it's like we're past the talk. That's not changing, mum. You don't need to keep abusing me about it. No, get over it. I'm an adult. I can sleep as much as I fucking want. And she's like, yeah, I know you are. And you're like, damn it. Yeah. I don't have any children. I don't have to get up. What's the point? That's <laughs> true. You've uh, you cracked the code. <laughs> You're not an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, you were 19. You'd gotten your radio job, which was actually not in Adelaide. It was somewhere else. Is that right? Yeah, it's in the northwest of WA, so Caratha. So it's up near that top corner where Australia starts to curve around just before Broome. And that was a year you were there? No, I was there for three years. Doing the radio stuff? Yeah. Because I basically said, I'm not going to leave here until I get a job in FM radio because it was AM radio. And that took me three years. <laughs> so I guess what was it like there? Like, is How big is Karatha? Is that like a sm tiny, especially this in the 80s, but like... Yeah, it was a mining town. Well, it's still a mining town. And it was, I think the population was 10,000 at that stage. And everybody knew everybody and everybody knew everybody's business. And yeah, and there was a lot of, all the miners would fly in, fly out. So they would get paid a fortune and all the locals were just like, <laughs> we can't afford anything. So yeah, there's three, I think it was three and a half years maybe because I did a couple of years in Caratha and then I moved to South Headland which was even worse 
I remember coming out of my phone call when I'd got my new job on the Gold Coast working at an FM station um, and I said, I'm out of this cunting hole to my flatmates and I basically screamed at the top of my voice because I was so happy that I could finally leave because everybody in those regional areas goes up there for five, six months, finds another regional job. So you just jump from little regional jobs to little regional jobs until you get a capital city job. But I was determined to jump straight from regional to capital city or like a provincial, which was the Gold Coast. Wow. Did that strategy make sense to go do things that way? Probably not. (laughs) But I just didn't want to work AM radio. I wanted to be at a cool station. Right. And I got to work at a cool station. I got to work at K-Rock on the Gold Coast. But even as you say that though, I guess what I'm wondering is you mentioned feeling a bit attacked in Adelaide and backwards views there and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe towards uh, like you, you weren't able to express yourself in maybe the way you wanted to. Was that... Something that continued? Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't come out until I was 26. So I stayed in the closet for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though I was clearly exhibiting from reading in my diary and remembering things. that I, I used to make Fimo earrings for my mum's friends and puffer paint T-shirts for them as well. And <laughs> I distinctly remember knowing all the words to Dead or Alive, so you spin me right around like a record and being able to mime the whole fucking thing at parties. <laughs> like I was doing drag at 15 for crying out loud. <laughs> and I didn't know I was gay. <laughs> yeah. Back then you didn't have any sort of like framework to even know about it, right? No. Because- I had no, there were no gay people in my life. And I distinctly remember reading as a teenager in a magazine that I think it was Cleo or Cosmo that everyone goes through a phase in their teenage years where they experiment and it's just a phase. And I just thought, well, maybe this is a phase. Maybe I like men because it's a phase. And I just clung to that and stayed sexless and (laughs) masturbatory for uh, a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you're talking about the coming out like at 26, does that include to yourself? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Even in my 20s, I was convinced that it was still going to be a phase, still going to be a phase because I just, I remember one of my best friends came out to me and told me that she was a lesbian and I was so depressed for her because I just thought, oh, you poor thing <laughs> being a lesbian and the whole time I'm a gay guy going. And I just felt graphically sad for her, like so sad. <laughs> And then what happened was my roomie in Perth, we had a mutual friend, a guy called Mark, who um, I used to work with in Caratha. And he was like the straightest guy I knew. And she'd been on holidays to Sydney to visit him. And um, he came out to her. And so she came back from holidays in Sydney and said to me, oh, I sort of hung out with Mark and he had a big announcement for me. And he told me he was gay. And I distinctly remember dropping the knife because I was buttering toast. I dropped the knife because I just thought, what the fuck, Mark is gay? And that, after finding out my best friend Yvonne was a lesbian, set me on a course of, okay, maybe I can be this thing. Maybe it is okay. So I feel like Mark was my trigger that made me go, "Uh, maybe this is what I really want. Because until that stage, I'd had pretend girlfriends. But once we started kissing, I would break up with them. Um, I even had one chick, I know, (laughs) she broke up with me because she said, I think you're gay. And I was like, how dare you? We're breaking (laughs) up. And I used that as an excuse to break up with her. How dare you? (laughs) I know. How dare you call me gay? I'm not gay. I just don't want to kiss you (laughs) because I'm gay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, confused much? Yeah, I guess this is another example. Yeah, you had to put records on in radio stations, and no one could tell you anything about these social things because no one had any clue, and it was all just hidden away without easy ways to find out. Yeah, there was no internet back then, unless you sort of had those encounters or experienced it, which is now why I feel it's so important to have that. You know, the people talk about representation, and if you don't see it, you don't know it. I think about all those little kids that are like maybe trans or whatever and they don't see anything like that on their screen. It's like, it really matters. That stuff really matters. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> so, oh man, this has been a roller coaster of a show. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a therapy session. Okay, well then we can... <laughs> George just wanted to ask about a book and now look what he's got. <laughs> I know, God, this, has gone, this has gone deeper than I expected. <laughs> so, Hasn't it? So you left... Adelaide, because you hadn't actually accepted that part of yourself, I guess the weird thing is you, because I was going to guess that you were feeling such a relief from maybe feeling a bit more away from Adelaide that that tied into why you enjoyed this book during that year. But it sounds like maybe you weren't enjoying that year as much as... Nah, I was completely sexless. Like the idea of sex didn't even occur to me. I never wanted to, like, you know how you, as a teenager, you're like, I can't wait to do that. I, can't. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. It's terrifying. I mean, that's, again, a, a, a situation that you hope won't happen much anymore now. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Please don't be me. I oh, know, we're seeing some debates now. Who knows where the world's going? We'll see. <laughs> 2020, there's still a few months left. Yeah, might be outlawed soon. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale is coming. <laughs> I mean, okay, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> to go back to a much lighter topic then, I guess, because there was something else. I was, Sorry, George. There's two, they, these are very unrelated. That is, no, thank you for being so open about that. That's really uh, nice to be. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I guess two, two more things I got, that caught my eye when looking at this book, especially considering you were a child of the, like, I guess, eight, like 70s but 80s in terms of coming into your pop culture knowledge of things. Yeah. I noticed how the Soviets feature in this, and I think that's such a funny feature of yeah. older things, how much the Soviets were the bad guys. Yeah, because they really were. Yeah, yeah. Like, was that something you felt at the time, like a bit more growing up? Because obviously every movie, they were all villains and all that. So is that something which... It was the Cold War, like the, the, the wall in Germany didn't go down until 89. So in the lead up, everything was communism and Russians were bad and there was no Middle East terrorists or Asian gangs or anything. It was all just Russia, 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 Russia. And you look at all the movies from before then, like all the Bonds were all Russians. They're all bad Russians. But yeah, once the wall fell down, it was like, oh, we got to pick someone else to pick on now. They've collapsed. There's no point. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've crushed them. We've got to find someone else yeah. that we can demonize. Oh, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. That's what I find it because obviously, again, even, even that, the existence of the internet means that you're more able to get alternate viewpoints and see different things. So I guess yeah. the idea of growing up then is interesting because like you probably would have taken it as a given. They're yeah. the bad guys, we're the good guys. You know, it's good versus, it's very simple. And there's no doubting that there are elements of Russia that are still really evil. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially relating to, yeah, the topic of... Yeah, um, US elections and all sorts of things. But, yeah, back then it was just the go-to, 100%. And, it, like, the 80s were so amazing because... So many parents were working, like we used to call ourselves latchkey kids because both my mum and dad worked together. So we looked after ourselves. We'd always go home. You had video games. You had MTV Awards with Michael Jackson doing his thriller video. Like everything was just key towards being a teenager. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> I loved the 80s. <laughs> Look, to be honest, it, does, it seems like it would have been a pretty interesting time to be alive. It's very different. I got the tail end. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah, yeah. So I didn't get to experience any of the 80s. It would have been a crazy time. Yeah. 
Well, I just remember things like being at my mum's, my, at one stage my mum was working at a um, squash and racquetball centre in Adelaide because that was big back then. <laughs> and they had the pog, like the game where it's the two things with the ball going. And I remember looking at that and going, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then Space Invaders came out and that was even more amazing. And each time it just got better and better and better. And now you look at it and go, Ugh, how was anyone ever excited by that? Oh, no, I think it's the Except like it's in Tetris and stuff, you would have been playing. Ah, oh, what a time! Everything was so exciting and new, and you couldn't even imagine what was coming. Like I said, now everyone's so bitter and cynical. <laughs> Anything comes out, it's like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm flying over a whole planet in VR and then <laughs> flying down and swooping between things whilst having. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like I know. Yeah, but back then everything was like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> Those elements of culture, which yeah, everyone shared. That's a. It's cool, I guess. And that's, and that's another thing which kind of goes a bit different now. Yeah, and well, now you share something amazing and people are, are ready to shit all over it in an instant. Uh, but it doesn't do this. Yeah, no. <laughs> We're so bitter and angry. Thanks, internet. <laughs> Why can't we go back to the 80s? That was a better time. <laughs> yeah. In some ways. In some ways. Not in every way. I do love, yeah, but it's, yeah. It's, it's, people can get drawn down in either path in looking at any era um, without appreciating that things are always both. Yeah. <laughs> like there's good and bad and backwards yeah. in some ways, but really great things in other ways. That's a hot tip, kids. None of it's ever been great. There's always been elements of shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One more thing before I guess we close it off. I was just have to ask, uh, are you a dog person oh, or a cat person? 100%. But I had a cat as well, and I do love cats, but I think dogs are more, I don't know, yeah, I just connect with dogs way more. It's that... Um, What's, what's the wording? The um, unconditional love. Unconditional love, okay. <laughs> Whereas cats are more like, I've done a shit, sort it out. And you're like, okay, great, fine. Don't scratch my face off and eat me when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, shut up, food. Yeah. And then they, they let you pat them when they're ready to be patted. And like, I get that there's an appeal in that, that they're very independent. But I also love the fact that a dog's like, what? What do you want to do? I'm here. We're, we'll do whatever you want. And you, because and you, you had one when you were younger as well. So that would have been a full buddy as well, it sounds like, when you were growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the family dog was Molly, the golden retriever. But I also had um, a Burmese, which was called uh, Kalua, because it was the color of a Kalua and milk. <laughs> <laughs> Who picked that name? Me. <laughs> Is this when you were a teenager? Yeah. Would have been 12 or 13, I reckon. And I do remember wanting to call him Indy because it had a bend in its tail and I wanted to call it Indy for being an individual. And the woman that, <laughs> the woman that was selling it to me, um, I said, I want to call it Indy because it's got the bend in its tail. And she goes, well, you don't call yourself Zitty because you've got lots of zits, do you? And I was like, okay, I won't call it Indy. <laughs> Rude mall. Man, the 80s were a crazy time. I really <laughs> were. It's hilarious. <laughs> just bullying a child. I know. It's like, what? <laughs> and she's selling the dog. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, and what's wrong with calling it Indy for an individual because it's got a kink in its tail? You're the one that bred it, you silly bitch, with a broken tail. <laughs> I'm glad to see you're over it. That's the important thing. No. <laughs> Triggered. Oh, I'm still fighting it funny as a, as a 12-year-old. It's like, I think there's <laughs> Kahlua. It's so... Kahlua, it's, I don't know, I know what's repressed going on there, but I feel like, uh, yeah, that's, not every boy is calling that dog Kahlua. Right, see? And I didn't know I was gay. <laughs> over and over again, there's evidence. <laughs> it's screaming. No wonder my mum said, I think I always knew. <laughs> <laughs> 
did you? Are you a scientist? <laughs> or was it just blatant? She would have been more surprised if I said I'm a straight man. <laughs> what? I feel possibly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After all that evidence, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about my dogs, Bukardi and Kalua? <laughs> Mojito, come here. Yeah. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> and my budgie, Doily. Uh, uh, but I think I, I should, <laughs> should tie it up. This has been a lot of fun. Um, thanks so much for being on and being so open about, like, everything. Oh, George, I'm sorry with how open I was. <laughs> I think you said before we started, I might go to some personal places. And I was like, oh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and now you're like, Jesus, we're never going personal ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know you'd be crying half an hour later. <laughs> I know. Oh, no, it's beautiful. Uh. It's true because it is, I can imagine for you, it is a lot to see those changes and how it's like. Oh, my God, yeah. This has been very cathartic. <laughs> so one last thing I always ask every show is, uh, do you feel like you've got any new connections with the book? Thanks to this conversation. Yes. Well, I actually wouldn't mind going back and having a read now because I forgot about all the Russian connections and it'd be funny to read it in 2020 instead of 1989 and relate it to now. Mm. You just see how you look. Well, I mean, that's a big part of books is going back and seeing that and being like, oh, well, I didn't pick that up or I did pick that up. Yeah. And now that we've done all that we've done, I honestly do think there are a lot of connections to that book I didn't realise. <laughs> so many. Yeah. I mean, even the time and place, it's just, yeah, it is very interesting. So once again, thank you very much. I will we'll tie it off there. So thanks for being on. Thanks for breaking me. <laughs> no worries. Cheers. Thanks, George. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.